Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Greetings and welcome to Military Network Radio. I'm Linda Crater and we have a wonderful show for you today. We're going to be talking about character, which is something people throw around as a word or a concept and are not always certain what that means. And we're specifically going to be talking about being a leader of character, becoming a leader of character. And we'll be talking to Dave Anderson, author of the book, Becoming a Leader of Character. And, you know, I have with me today a wonderful co-host, Les Davis. Welcome. Good morning morning, to you, Les. Very much. Love this topic today. I know. We've been looking forward to this all week. I think it's it's a, a good indicator to our guests that we truly are into this. And I think one of the big reasons that becoming a leader of character is so important to both of us is that we have worked for or known or been with and been very uncomfortable when there was a leader or a situation where you didn't have that trust of the integrity of the person. And and it felt very uncomfortable. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. You're you're working for somebody. You're... And it's almost like it's everything you do is constant question. You're, you know, is it is he doing the right thing, or is he or she doing the right thing? Are they looking out for your best interest? Are they doing the right thing for their organization? So I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, to me, it's almost like you know, you when you pet a, an animal and the fur is in the right direction, when you pet it the other way, that's how it feels. It bristles backwards at you when you are in one of those situations that doesn't feel right. And one of the questions that you and I discussed before the show is, you know, how, how can character be trained or coached or refined? Because it's always evolving. It is always evolving. Yeah, it, absolutely. And when, when you're talking about can it be coached, can it be um, can it be trained? I, that's that's a great question. Um, and I think it's, it's since it's always evolving, leadership is always evolving. So you can't have good leadership without character. And so it's just you know since leadership's evolving, character has to be evolving. It's it, without without characters, there's just no true leadership. And I couldn't agree with you more. And and that's why we have Dave today, because he's a West Point graduate. He was a business leader for a Fortune 50 company for 20-plus years. He not only writes and speaks on this, he's a leader for shining the light on the vital importance of character. But interestingly, not just professionally, it's personally as well. When you have true character, it shines through in both your professional life and your personal life because it's the same thing. You are genuine and authentic and congruent on all levels. And one of the big questions that we'll put out in front of everybody right before we start and right before I give you Dave is why is so little time spent in school, college, graduate studies, leadership trainings, all kinds of things on how to make yourself better, but so little time spent on character. And with that, I'll let Dave Anderson come 
Welcome to Military Network Radio. Well, thank you, Linda. I appreciate being here. Les, thank you again for uh, y'all inviting me. I say y'all because I'm down here in Texas, and uh, <laughs> even though I grew up in New York, I, my friends in New York wonder where I got this accent, but when you marry a Texas girl, this is what you get. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're a very wise man. A very wise man indeed. I'll just leave it at that. I, I will tell you that we, we aren't making this up. We have been looking forward to this topic and are talking to you today. I've read through about half of the book, mm-hmm. and I love how it takes a concept that people throw around to with too much blasé, with, with mm-hmm. too little thought. And what you do is give not only a definition, you give structure you give the opportunity to practice it and and here's the phrase that i've told people all week as i've been leading up to this is you have to do what you want to be and so can you tell us a little bit about how you and your father known as in the book as the general and you're known as the business guy Mm -hmm. came to write becoming a leader of character yeah well as my father would say, uh, he'd been saying these things to me all through my life, but somewhere in my thirties, uh, he got a lot smarter. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, as I listened to him speak about these things and growing up in the military family as a army brat, and I know there's a lot of people out there who have military parents might be listening to this, uh, and who are military parents, I would hear these things about integrity and courage and duty and things. And it started to sink in and then at West Point as well. And then when I got out in the corporate world, I realized some of these topics are were buzzwords, but they weren't really embraced by people. Uh, they were words that were thrown around. And uh, I was when I left the corporate world to start Anderson Leadership Solutions, which is the company I, I, I run now, uh, and I started doing these uh, – doing these talks and doing these trainings and keynote addresses, more and more people were coming up to me and saying, you know, Dave, nobody's talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking with a mentor of mine who's in the industry, who's a leadership guy. And uh, he said, well, Dave, you need to write a book. And I said, the problem is I don't have a book to write. I got six books to write. Mm. And uh, he said, well, tell me your ideas. And he's, and I said, well, and I started going through them and he said, he stopped me. He stopped me halfway through. He said, wait a second. You want to write a book with your dad? And I said, yeah. And he said, and he's 82 years old. And I said, yeah. And he said, what are you waiting on? And good I mean, that, point. I mean, we all need good people to kick us in the butt sometimes. And that's exactly what he did for me. He get, I called my dad 24 hours later, said, would you do this with me? He said, absolutely. Within two weeks, we had an outline done. Uh, that was in July of 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the uh, publisher, uh, Morgan James Publishing, uh, in November of 15. The book was written by January of 16, edited done in, ed- editing done in April. And the ebook came out in July with the hardcovers coming out in October of 16. So we've really been, uh, had the book out for about six months right now. That's amazing. Yeah, I bought it online. I bought it online. And it it was it was interesting because that allows me to highlight things. Mm -hmm. And um, I I was highlighting huge chunks. And I I really that's when I know that I I really am loving something because if it resonates that much and I'm highlighting that much, that means I'm going to go back again and again and again. So 
I was going to say, Lynn, thank you. That's flattering. And when somebody uses a yellow paintbrush on your book, that's flattering. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I want to say this. What you just said is exactly why we wrote the book. This isn't some academic treatise on uh, the theory of leadership. I've read a ton of those, and there's a lot of good information out there. Mm-hmm. But this meant book is not meant to be read. It's meant to be used mm-hmm. and it, to be something that people can use on a go back to over and over and over again because it's it's we tried to set it up that way so thank you for that feedback well you're very welcome and i I sincerely mean it so tell our readers because i think this is an important part of how the book is set up how the book is laid out and structured yeah as a matter of fact we so we started so we the subtitle of the book is six habits that make or break a leader at work or at home so we focus on six habits and the habits are courage humility integrity selflessness duty and positivity your attitude and uh we lay each chapter starts with some well well we talk about your character being like a muscle and you've got to exercise it mm-hmm. and just like when you go to exercise you've got to you, you you should stretch before you start so we have some questions some probing questions that kind of make you stop and think and reflect on yourself look at yourself in the mirror at the beginning of each one of those chapters and then we talk about uh, and then in each chapter on courage and humility, et cetera, uh, my father tells a story about combat. You know, he was, did two tours in Vietnam. Uh, he was 41 years active duty. I was four. So uh, I did serve in the first Gulf War. But my, And then after he finishes the uh, his combat story, I tell a story about business to point out that these tr- character traits that – People nod their head and say, oh, yes, when they think about the military and experiences in the military, uh, translate into business as well. And I show that – we try to show that with those stories. And then we lay out some arguments about why these things are important. And at the end of each chapter, as I mentioned, your, your character is like a muscle. you got to exercise it. And it's the small exercises. You know, you don't you don't get in shape by going to the gym once a year. You don't you don't become a leader of character by going to a leadership conference once a year. It is the daily lifts, as my good friend Colonel Craig Flowers says. Uh, it's a character rep. You you got to do those reps and and to strengthen those muscles on a regular basis, so you're ready for the big tests to come. And so at the end of each chapter, there's a list of exercises that you can do at work or at home or just in general where that exercises those habits. And you make an excellent point because uh, if you don't want something, you, your proficiency goes down even if you're good at something and then you go away from it. Mm. And so if you don't maintain it, how do you expect it to constantly get better and refined? I, we're coming up to a break, but I, I would like to start setting the stage for talking about all of those six habits of character and why they're so very, very important and intertwined. Mm-hmm. And then I know that Les wants to talk to you about the character workout and, and what those look like as they go through. Before we go to the break, can you talk a little bit, uh, give a definition perhaps about what a character workout entails? Because sometimes those things sound like they're odd or weird or uncomfortable. Yeah. Would you mind? No, absolutely. Uh, you know, so many people talk about, you know, saying, oh, well, this little white lie is not a big deal. But when the big test comes, I'm going to be ready. And uh, you know, to that we say, well, if you've never lifted 50 pounds, what makes you think you're going to lift 300? And, you know, and when we go to the gym, you don't set the you don't set the treadmill to one mile per hour and think you're getting in shape. 
You know, you <laughs> some you, people you, do. <laughs> yeah, some people do. But you but they're fooling themselves, right? You have right. to make yourself uncomfortable when you go work out. You have to be uncomfortable. It has to be a stretch. Uh, 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 take a effort. Well, guess what? Growing your character and developing your character is the same thing. If we walk around comfortable all the time with who we are and what we do, we're probably not growing. And so with each one of the so which with each one of these small exercises, for instance, a small exercise of selflessness. Where do you park when you go to the grocery store? Mm-hmm. Now, most of us are able-bodied people, but we fight for that best parking spot, yet there's a single mom with four kids trying to navigate that crazy parking lot. I could use those extra 20 yards to walk. I, got a, I wear a Fitbit. That would make me probably help me lose some of this belly I've developed since I got out of the military. <laughs> but I don't do it because well, why? I'm being selfish. And it's a small act. It's a small lift, but it prepares me. It's a character rep that prepares me for a bigger test that's going to come. And nobody will know about it, which probably makes it even more selfless. So that's an example. That's a great example because I I think that we are looking at a world that is (laughs) – civility, manners, kindness, even courage to be kind is because – So I would love to talk more about that after we come back from the break. You're listening to Military Network Radio. We're talking with Dave Anderson. If you'd like to follow along on the website about more about Dave, go to AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. We'll be right back after these short messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Littman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. you have a lot of spizzerinkdom or the will to win, and you have a strong desire to be a part of your favorite sports team, the National Hockey League might be for you. Did you know that if both goalies on an NHL hockey team are injured, anyone at the game is eligible to step in and play the part? Teams have resorted to using their coaches, team owners, and even their web designers to fill in for injured goalies. It's as simple as slipping into your breezers or hockey pants. The original hockey puck was made out of frozen cow dung. The fastest puck shot on record was clocked at 114 miles per hour. And I'd like to take this opportunity to send out a special thanks to the men and women of our armed forces serving our country around the world. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. 
Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Uh, before the break, we were talking about character workouts. And Les, you had a question for Dave. Yeah, we were talking about the, the, the six habits of character. I'd like to go through each one, and then why are they so essential? Um, and just, just to, with the background, one of the one uh, for me when when I was reviewing the book and and looking over one of the quotes that really stood out to me um, just about leadership and character was what was in the book is which which do you want to be a proficient manager or a leader of character? You know, the first creates client mm-hmm. employees. The second leads committed followers. And that, that yeah. you know, boy, you talk about power. That's a powerful. I love reading about leadership and that that's great. And I, then the, the three, then these, the, uh, the six habits, I mean, it just flows, it just flows. In it. And so I'd like to just go over each one with you. Well, last thing, yeah, thank you. And I know you, with your background and, and uh, had, you know, getting your degree in leadership and, and specifically studying this, I really appreciate your feedback on that. You know, that quote is, is a direct response to what I saw in, the, in, in a lot of the corporate world where we were, a lot of managers were worried about having people be compliant and rule followers. And we don't want rule followers. And, and, uh, but that's what managers tend to develop as rule followers. Here's all the things I want you to do or not, don't want you to do. Now do that and I'll be happy. And uh, leaders of character, you know, they they get those committed followers. They're the they're the people who you know will run through the walls for you. And it's and the interesting thing is, people don't follow you because of what you can do. They follow you because of who you are. And that's why we and who we are is the sum total of our habits, our character. And so we spent time looking at these six habits. And uh, we start with the first two we start with is courage and humility. And people often ask me why. And, well, if you think about it, if you think about every failure, every bad decision we've made, everybody listening out there, uh, you know, Linda, mm-hmm. Les, you know, when you break it down, you get right down to the root cause of just about every bad decision we've made, whether it was last week or last decade, you know, those Points where we say, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I wish I made a different choice. Almost always you boil it right down to an issue of fear or pride. Say that again. Almost all of our bad decisions, almost all of our bad decisions are the result of fear or pride inside of us. Right. I found the book when you when you boil it right away. down to things. I, I agree with you because I I think that we all have things that we regret, and when you take a look back, um, the it's very important to look at those unvarnished, mm-hmm. fresh. Well, in, in the book, uh, and anybody interested in looking at what where the character is right now, you can take. I've got. Online character test. It's free and it's private. I don't collect the data. This is for people to hold a mirror up to themselves and see where they are right now. It's called, and the URL is mycharactertest.com. Mycharactertest.com. And anybody can do it and it's free. But, uh, you get a snapshot of where you are because see, you, we wanted to start with courage and humility because that's where mo- the root cause of most of our character failures are in fear and pride. And if you think mm-hmm. about it, a lot of leadership books say, well, you need to have integrity and integrity is important. A lot of them will say that's the most important thing. But <laughs> and I, I've believed that for a long time. But then I thought about it. Said, you can't have integrity unless you have courage. Mm-hmm. Because if the only time you do the right thing is when it can't hurt you personally, that's not integrity. Because the root, the root word of uh, come, the root word for integrity is integer, which means whole or pure. Mm 
So part-time integrity is not integrity. And so we started with courage and humility uh, because, you know, boy, we've all had that prideful boss. We've all had that person who wouldn't admit his mistakes or her mistakes, that person who wanted to get all the uh, accolades for themselves. And, and our pride is what gets in the way of us being selfless. Our pride gets in the way of us doing our duty because sometimes our duty is to get our hands dirty. And pride gets in the way. So all these habits intertwine with each other. And I use – it's kind of – you know, go back to the exercise analogy when you do a push-up. Mm-hmm. Your push up, the push up is meant to work out the chest muscles, but it also works out the the shoulders, your back, your triceps. I mean, when you do these exercises and when you exercise character, it doesn't just touch courage, it doesn't just touch integrity, it touches other things, and they're intertwined and they rely on each other. Um, so, you know, the foundational two is how what we call uh, courage and humility, and then we go into integrity and. Uh, that's part of our definition of integrity is, you know, uh, doing what is good and right and proper, even at personal cost. And that's, that's a real trip. That's what trips a lot of people up was with the integrity. Well, you no, gave no excellent doubt. examples and there's a cost for every choice we make in life. There's a cost for, um, a cost for our actions and a cost for our inactions. Mm. So talk more about the fact that if there's no risk as you're making the choice, mm. it's easier to make that choice. But talk about when there is a risk of mm-hmm. unpopular, lose your job, not go along with the crowd, excluded, be isolated, all of those things. Well, it's an interesting thing. And uh, we define courage as acting despite perceived or actual risk. And you think about And people say, you know, why perceived risk? And I'm like, well, think about the things that we spend a lot of our time to worry about, those what-if scenarios that grind us down in in our mind and and we spend emotional energy on. What if this happens? What if she says this? What if he says this? What if this shipment doesn't show up? What if this person is late for work? Whatever. And and what if our kid – what if my kid doesn't pass this this test? Oh, my gosh. And all those things that we we get ourselves wound up and beat down about – Go back and say, how many times do those things actually happen? Yet so many right. – I mean they don't. I mean, No, they don't. They don't. Yet we, we let those fears prevent us from moving forward. We sit there and grind on those things and they – and so so many thing, things that prevent us from doing what we should do are perceived risks. But you know, there might be a risk. You mentioned losing your job and, I, and uh, we say in the book and I, and I truly believe you know, that, that could be a risk. Some people might be afraid of losing their jobs, but you know what? When I I look forward and I say, you know, what do I want my kids to say at my funeral? I don't want them to say, you know, they could say this, I guess. They could say, well, I'm not sure what my dad stood for, but he always stayed employed. I mean, yeah, that's not quite as strong as you'd like, you know, and or they could say, you know what? 2017 was a rough year because my dad stood up for what he believed in at work. But you know what? I'll always remember that he stood up. Boy, mm-hmm. there's a real difference in that in in the opinion of your kids. There absolutely is, and, and a lot of this, you know, in your you, uh, one of the uh, habits you talked about was staying positive, and it mm-hmm. into your attitude, and that's exactly uh, one of the things that you can all the fears you talked about. You know, it, it 
it uh, it really it really goes back to your attitude and staying positive in in some very bad times. You're losing your job, for example, that could be mm-hmm. you know that could be end up being the best thing that ever happened to you. You stood up for something, and that next career step maybe the job that you really always wanted. So and you know and and something like positivity or attitudes is 100% in our control. Uh, I always joke all the time because my dad used to say to me when I was in high school, "Hey, hey bud, your attitude's a choice. Make a different choice." You know, mm-hmm. obviously I was being a pretty uppity teenager at the time. But the point is, it is a choice. We make choices that determine our attitudes and we can because I know it's a choice because we all know people who have been through some horrible things. We know we know combat veterans and families that have been crushed by by what might have might have happened to their loved ones in in combat. We know people who have battled cancer and but when you get around them, those people make you feel better about life. And you're like, how does that happen? They've got these horrible circumstances, but they've chosen to do something else. Yet most of us let the bad weather or traffic make us sound like Eeyore, you know, and, and we, we, well drag everybody, we drag everybody down around us. And it's a choice. And each time we make a choice, it makes it easier to make that same choice again. And that's how habits are formed. And so our attitude is a habit. And we can – and so often we got a bad attitude because we're focused on ourselves. And when you think about those – just think about those people who you know who are always serving others. Maybe it's at your church and they're going out there and they're they're always you know bringing the casserole to the sick person or whatever. But they're those people who are always helping others. Everybody's probably got somebody like that in their mind right now. And I always ask my audiences and I always ask the, you know whether it's I'm on the stage or doing corporate training stuff. I say, how often do you have you seen that person have a bad day? And it's almost I'll very take rare. You one further. I, I work with a lot of families with veterans. When people are sometimes at their lowest, I will suggest that they volunteer somewhere that means something to them. Mm-hmm. And you can hear the quizzical silence at the other end of the phone. And then they say, you know, I always feel good when I do that. Mm-hmm. And I have found that those who help others, even when they are at their worst or they can't imagine doing anything else, they help themselves by helping them. Is that selflessness or selfishness? It, it's service. And, mm-hmm. and it's very interesting. It can work both ways, but it helps the positive nature of things. I have a question for you about the one called duty. Mm-hmm. Because is duty in this case, I wouldn't say synonymous, but is it... Discipline, having the discipline to do what you know needs to be done, or is duty mm-hmm. something different in your definition? Well, I think d- duty is a part of uh, uh, is a part of. I'm sorry, discipline is a part of duty. We define uh, duty as taking action based on your assigned task and moral obligations. And uh, some people well, you think of duties as their job description and we add moral obligations to it because there's things that we are supposed to do. There are things that we know when, when we're, when we see that as a parent, you know, nobody gave us a, a, a list of things to do when your kid's diaper is full, you better change it or it's going to be a mess. <laughs> right. And so that, that is a moral obligation. There's no, there's no handbook for that stuff. You just, you just know it's a moral obligation. So there your, it's your duty to take action when you need, uh, when you see something that needs to happen. And, you 
know what? That takes courage. That takes humility. That takes integrity to have duty. You need those things to have, be able to choose to do your duty when, when you see that happen. And, uh, and a lot in the military, duty is a concept that's well understood. It's interesting when you get out in the civilian world, like when I got out, you know, 25 years ago, I realized very few people understood the concept of duty. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we're trying to revive that, uh, have a revival of that concept. I love it. I love it. Unfortunately, we're coming to another break, but we will come back and discuss this further. We're talking with Dave Anderson, author of Becoming a Leader of Character, and we will be right back after these short messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. seen the video of the little seal that jumped into the back of a boat to escape being eaten by killer whales? A family was whale watching near Vancouver Island, British Columbia when they noticed a pod of orcas swimming around their boat. All of a sudden, a harbor seal swam up to the stern of their boat and jumped in with the orcas hot on his tail. When a whale leaps out of the water exposing most of its body, it's called breaching. There are 32 different species of seals distributed throughout the world and are found from polar to tropical waters. The largest concentrations of seals in the U.S. are in California and New England. Everyone who has seen the video agrees this was one lucky seal. What's another word for the fear of the sea? Thalassophobia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Les, I believe you had a question for Dave. Yes, Dave. Uh, I was wondering, everything we, since everything we talked about with the, the six habits of character in the book, do you feel that service, service members that are transitioning uh, out to this veteran world have a harder time with their transition because of what we're taught. It could have been in four years or 20 years, but do you think that is one of the, the reasons we have such a hard time transitioning into corporate America? 
Absolutely. I, I do because, I mean, we were talking about duty and that, like I said, that is something in the military we've had ingrained in us and we understand it without having to define it. That's one of the reasons why we define it in the book is because this book is for everybody to read. And when, when, uh, we get out in the military, I mean, get out of the military and enter in the corporate environment, they might use a word like accountability and that what they mean is duty, but, uh, it is, when you look around your, when veterans look around themselves in the, uh, in the corporate world and they see they aren't surrounded by people who have, who have had those same values instilled into them, it can be struck, it can be a struggle to, uh, to adapt in that situation. And when I say adapt, I mean to set up yourself to be a person of influence in that organization, not to adapt and, and lower your standards down to whatever they're doing. And I, you know, what, and Linda brought it up earlier in the, in the first segment, you know, just because we have developed we have this uh uh habit of, of character like integrity doesn't mean we can't lose it just like when you stop exercising the muscle it atrophies if you're not exercising these things on a daily basis you're you're making yourself vulnerable to a big decision that you would never thought you would have made and trust me everybody listen out there i'm not sitting here as a guy who's got it figured out I'm a guy who who made bad decisions and look back and go, how did I get there? And it was those small decisions that I was making that was weakening my character. Uh, and when the big test came, I wasn't ready. And I think that when as as military members uh, exit the service and they go into this corporate world, we have an opportunity to impact a lot of people with how we do things and how we approach our work. And I think it's uh and I think it's up to us not to succumb to the temptations of of lowering our standards to what's around us when we get out there. I would take you one further on that. I see sometimes those come out and they say, well, I did all this good work and now I deserve to rest and put mm-hmm. my pack down. Mm-hmm. And we've all known people like that. Mm-hmm. And you sit and think, wait a minute. What happened to the zeal, to the the passion, to the duty, to the integrity, to the selflessness? And sometimes it can go the other way. And part of that may be the outside environment, but part of it also, listening to you and having read parts of this book, could be that that character was not being exercised or the temptations were coming because there wasn't the maintenance of the character in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it sounds like a, when you list something like that, it sounds like a pride issue. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds like somebody's thinking thinking a little bit too much of themselves and their experience. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be honored for their service and they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And, but honor should be held out for other people to give us, not for us to give ourselves. That's called pride. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when people sit there and say, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? The pronoun in that is I, 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 hello, pride. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not saying this stuff is easy. All of us struggle with this. And it's be- like I said, it becomes those small choices daily to put ourselves aside and put other people before ourselves. The, the, uh, definition of humility we say is believing and acting like it's not about me. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. Well, I've done all this. I've served. I've done 20 years. I, you know, I deserve m- more than this. Um, you know, you're going to be sorry. You're going to be sorely disappointed if you think you're going to get what you deserve, uh, at least from this world. Um, and so that's, 
the the idea is, hey, you know, a leader of character is not worried about what they're going to get out of it. A leader of character is not worried about what they think they deserve. It's okay to want more. It's I'm not telling people not to want more, but to think we deserve it. That's a pride issue that makes us selfish, and guess what? That imp- that almost always impacts our attitudes, positivity. We become a negative person when we don't feel like we're getting what we want, and it all stem- goes back to that idea of pride. It does, and I think there's yeah. a, it's a very difficult time in society. I would say that you're looking at people who say, well, I'll, I'll work on it when I'm motivated, or I'll, I'll – I'll do it when I feel like it. One of the things I really loved, and we've mentioned it earlier, but I'd like to discuss it in more detail, is you have to do what you want to be. Mm-hmm. Where you are today is not where you need to be tomorrow, if you so choose. And we're back to choices and mm-hmm. positivity and all of those other uh, attributes, the habits that you're talking about. But so many people accept their lives, not live them. And that's a John Maxwell quote. That's not mine. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's very important because you're echoing that. You have to take action Mm -hmm. in order to – and active choices to make progress in this. Can you speak a bit about that? Because that's a a statement that I think is short enough for everyone to keep in mind. You have to do what you want to be. You have to do what you want to be. Uh, Let me tell you what character is not. Character is not what you think about yourself. All right. Uh, character is not what you say about yourself. Character is not your personality. You, you're born with your personality. You develop your character. And the way you develop your character is one choice at a time. Yeah, I may, my thoughts do influence my character. What I think about, what I fill my head with, what I read, reading John, great books by John Maxwell, re- reading, you know, hey, hopefully maybe people read Becoming a Leader of Character. Re- I mean, but, but reading the Bible, those type of things that, that, uh, do impact your character, but it's just a start. Then what do you speak about? What do you, your, your thought, your words follow your thoughts. The more you think about something, the more likely you are to speak about it. And the more you talk about these things, the more likely you are to start making choices in line with what you speak about. That's why things like Weight Watchers work or Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. because they don't just hand you a pamphlet and say, now here's your diet plan. Go out and lose weight. Or they don't just say, hey, here's why alcohol is not good for you. Uh, don't drink anymore. They make you come back from meetings and discuss these things. And the the more you talk about these things, the more likely you are to lead to action. And each time I make a choice, it makes it easier to make that same choice again and again and again. And that's how a habit is formed. And so these you have to do what you want to be. You have to start doing things that leader of character do. If you want to be a leader of character, you have to start doing those things. Don't just read a book. You don't get in shape by reading a fitness magazine. <laughs> You've got to go no. to the gym and sweat. You've got to put in the effort. You're absolutely right. And I I think that in today's world, it is particularly difficult sometimes to find it. And and that brings to mind surrounding yourself, not only reading the right things, speaking about them, but surrounding yourself with people who are also striving for character and to be better. And, you know, there's that, uh, is it Jim Rohn who said you are influenced by the five people you're closest to? Mm -hmm. If you're surrounded by those who don't have the desire to become better, they're happy where they are, or they're just different than you are, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get that support that you just mentioned in two of the most 
absolutely lifelong successful programs, AA and Weight Watchers, because you're lacking that little bit of accountability and people who are are uh, parallel to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's one of the things that strengthens the military members who are in the military because they're around people and they talk to people about and, and they're speaking about these things. But I was in the military as well, and I also know I can get, get around a group of, group of guys in the military, and we could speak about some things we wouldn't want our mothers to hear us talking about. And <laughs> – and we would and we would drag each other down into whatever whatever pit we were in, whether it was a pit of complaining or a pit of ugly thoughts. Um, we would do that, and you and the you know Maxwell uses a definition of leadership as influence. He says you know leadership is influence, and we and that's absolutely true. But what are you influencing people towards? That's why we that's why we differentiate between leaders and leaders of character because you know. What are you leading people towards? Your motives matter. And are you leading people towards something positive or something negative? And we point out that a leader of character is someone who uses influence to achieve a moral or ethical goal. And it's not just having influence. We all have influence, whether or not we wear the stripes or not, whether or not we have, whether or not we have the rank or not, we have influence. We have influence at home. We have influence around our children, on our spouses. How are we influencing them? We have influence on the people we meet at the gas station when we're pumping gas later on today. Mm-hmm. Every we have influence. So, which way are we influencing them towards, positively or negatively? That determines what type of leader we are. Whether or not we're just a leader of influence or a leader of character. I, you know, I think a lot of people say, "Well, and you know, I don't, I don't need to be a leader. I just want to be a person." So. I think that everything you're saying applies to every single person because you are a person of character will automatically be a leader. To be a leader, you have to have followers. Mm -hmm. And so if you are leading or being with the right attributes that are leading people toward good things, I keep coming back and forth with this, but I think you know where I'm trying to go with this. Just believe that a, a making the right decisions leads you to more decisions that are good. Success breeds success. And you will not fall as far into the pit. Or if you fall, you will get yourself back up again. Talk a bit about falling down and then getting back up. Well, that takes courage. Mm-hmm. And that takes humility to admit you've made a mistake. To admit you screwed up, I had a. I used to teach high school boys Sunday school, and I asked them one time about. I and we were talking about forgiveness, and I said, "How many people have ever heard their parents say, i 'I'm sorry, please forgive me, or I screwed up'?" And out of twenty five kids, one kid raised his hand, and I realized oh, we goodness. we sit there and we think, you know, what's wrong with this younger generation? Well, they've never seen they've never seen responsibility modeled for them. They've never seen duty modeled for them and, and, and humility to say, I've made a mistake. Well, we all make mistakes. That's how we grow. Nobody grows when they're in a positive situation where tough in, in good times. You, we all know that our, the, our biggest times of growth have come during the difficult times. And if we never allow ourselves to be challenged, well, I always say our comfort zones are our mediocrity zones. We're not growing. And so we have to make ourselves uncomfortable to grow. Well, not only that, 
but sometimes the uncomfortable moments are the catalysts for that post-traumatic growth. And I'm speaking now more of those in combat situations where mm-hmm. they come back. And General Mattis talks about post-traumatic growth. Mm-hmm. And it is possible. And I, I think it is very, very interesting because oftentimes some of the biggest mistakes, the bloopers that you make, they're not on funny comedic reels. They have made a difference in the pathway of your life. But they can be very motivating to get on track to make good decisions going forward, a catalyst for good change. And, and that's what we'll talk further about in today's world after this last break, because we know it's a challenge today for our young people, our families, and everyone else. We'll be right back after these messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Toginet, Cutting Edge Radio. Day has been celebrated in different ways around the world. In Italy, one tradition suggests that the first man a single woman sees on Valentine's Day was the man she would eventually marry. What's the word for the first person you see after you leave the house in the morning? A qual tag. In South Africa, some women pin the name of their love interest on their shirt sleeves, following an ancient Roman tradition known as Lupercalia. This is how South African men learn of their secret admirers. In America, it is widely believed that if women don't receive a gift of candy, flowers, or a card from their guy on Valentine's Day, he's probably going to get dumped. This is usually the cause for a charrette or an 11th hour effort by men to buy their woman a Valentine's gift. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're talking with Dave Anderson about becoming a leader of character, a person of character. And Les had a great question while we were on break. Why don't you ask it here? Yeah, uh, Dave, you know, in today's world where we we just almost, uh, we pride celebrity, selfishness, narcissism, there will be those who say that one person won't matter. What do you say to that? Uh, I, I would probably paraphrase a famous statement that every movement was started by one person um, and that every movement of consequence of importance was started by one person and one person's ideas. And, you know, some people might seem uh, uh, like – may see these big issues that are out there and it may seem overwhelming but we 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 can't do for everyone we can do for one and if when we run into a person each day what again i want to go back to that thing what type of influence are we having on that person the the guy who's taking my money for for my uh chili flavored fritos at the at the gas station what how am i leaving him am i leaving him in a better place or a worse place and does I, do I do something positive in his day? I mean, this impacts our character. These are the small character reps that do that. And when we start teaching um, our kids, when we start uh, when we start thinking about what type of person do you want to be, it's about what you do, not what you think about yourself. And I think we do a very good job building our kids up in their minds about who they are. Uh, and but I don't think we do a very good job of showing them it's about your actions. And I think 
if we started to have more and more people spend less time thinking about what they would do if they ever got the opportunity and actually started to do it when the opportunity is right there in the face, do it for one, what you can't do for all, I think that would make a huge difference. It's funny. I have watched teenagers make the decision to do the right thing in front of their parents who were not ready to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting thing because that that child has made the choice to do the right thing. And there's the risk and the cost that we mentioned about. So I think it can work both ways because before the break, you mentioned that they're not seeing good behavior modeled. And I'll give you a few examples. So in the last six months, we've heard things about, well, that's not so bad. Everybody lies. Um, hmm. So what uh, that's, that's anyway i won't even give any more examples because i know that you know them and i think with social media it allows people to be cowards which is the opposite of courage Mm -hmm. and i I think that there's some things in our society right now that allow us to be lesser individuals than we could be so we have to fight even harder to train the character to maintain the character what would be some advice you'd give to young people and those raising young people right mm-hmm. now about examples and, and the, how the small things matter? Yeah. Um, I mentioned teaching Sunday school guys, and I used to say to them all the time, hey, you know what? You might have a crappy parent. You might have two crappy parents, but that doesn't give you an excuse. You have your, you make your own choices in life and, uh, you find those mentors out there that are living the life that we're talking about here, that, that they actually put feet on this stuff. That's not some theory that they talk about. It's actually, you actually witness them doing, acting like leaders of character, behaving like leaders of character and exercising these muscles. And you start emulating them. You ask them for advice. I think it's ridiculous that we ask advice for people who are right where we are in life. It doesn't make any sense to me. Find the people who are where you want to be and then go and go follow them. Go understand what they – go try to get them to mentor you and ask them to mentor you because more is caught than taught. I think you know mm-hmm. our influence on people around us, more is caught than taught. Our kids and everybody will, will pay more attention to your behaviors than they will your words. That's just that's just a fact, and we all know that. Uh, and that goes back to integrity because, you know, going back to that whole or pure aspect, if our words say one thing yet we do another, everybody calls us a what? A hypocrite. hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and And so we can all say the right things and everything, but our actions actually define who we are. And who we are is the sum total of our habits, our good ones and our bad ones. Now, the good news here is you can change your habit by making new choices today, by starting to make new cho- – every choice you make has an impact on your character, the good choices and the bad choices. And so this is – everything about our character is 100% in our control, and I'm getting wound up here now. Everything in our character <laughs> is in our control. And, and the thing is we spend so much time in life complaining about the things we can't control. We can't control our politicians. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't control the media. We can't control the weather. We can't control the traffic. We can't control control our parents. We can't control our kids. 
We can have influence on some of those things, but we do not control any of them. But you know what we have 100% control of? The choices that we make that develop our character, mm-hmm. whether it be courage, humility, duty, integrity, selflessness, positivity, any of those. Those choices day to day have an impact on who we are and whether or not people will follow us. We'll know, and in our age, is it's independent of age. I see I see sixty year old people I wouldn't I wouldn't follow out of a burning paper bag. And I see <laughs> I, I see thirteen year olds and I say, I'd follow that kid. You know why? Because I watch how he behaves. I watch his habits. You're talking also about authenticity. When you make the choices to make these minuscule choices that add up and incrementally turn you into a person or a leader of character, you're talking about something that becomes ingrained in you if you practice it enough. And that makes you someone in this day and age that people sometimes question, because what are you? In the olden days, it was called goody two-shoes. These yeah. days, it's, um, it's seen as suspect. Mm-hmm. Well, and I do believe the cream rises to the top. And uh, there's, there will always be people who are haters, you call them, or trolls, as they call them on uh, social media. And... Uh, you know, if we're doing it for what other people believe in us, then guess what? That goes back to a pride issue. And again, it's like, what are people going to say about me? Well, guess what? You're, then the focus is back on you mm-hmm. again in that with that question. And that comes back to pride and selfishness. And now you're now the question is, why am I doing this? Is I, am I doing it to make me look good? Am I doing it to improve my position, or am I doing it because it's the right thing to do? And exactly. so. Les, do you have a final question? Because we have to let Dave go. This has gone very quickly for us. You know, Dave, this is as, as I was reading through the uh, some of the uh, some of your book, uh, and I can't wait to finish it and read. It. I just uh, uh, I'm looking forward to reading the book. Uh, I think it, it describes uh, leadership. Uh, you know, when we were talking about people going to college, as we referred earlier, you can't. You can't teach an MBA person how to be a leader, but you sure can uh, uh, study leadership and, and make them a better leader if there's if they're taught that way and coached that way and even mentored mm-hmm. that way. So uh, I appreciate you writing the book. It's in a, it's up on my shelf by my other favorite book, Nineteen Stars. Um, I'm looking forward to reading it. I really appreciate Lynn giving me the opportunity to speak with you today. This is just what a what a great topic, and thank you for writing the book. Les, I appreciate that. This is a passion of mine. Some people call me a character evangelist, and you know, an evangelist. One <laughs> one definition is a loud proclaimer, and and evangelists lead revivals. And I truly am trying to start a revival on the issue of character because most leadership failures are not an issue of a lack of competence because we got plenty of MBAs out there. Uh, it's yeah. a lack of character. Those failures usually go back to the person. It's not that they didn't know what to do or how to do it. It's the fact that their character failed them at the moment of testing. And these exercises will help us prevent that type of character failure and build the character so when we're ready for that big test to come. Dave, thank you so much for being with us today. If you want to learn more about Dave and his book, go to AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. Les, we're grateful for your discussion today and you've given us a lot to think about i'm going to enjoy reading the rest of the book have a wonderful week thank you you too appreciate everybody listening thank you so much 
Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com. And in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance 